Welcome to the Shovel Pass, the NFL podcast for those that need that extra hour of football talk to get them over the hump and through the week. I'm Nick Sawyer, and I'm joined weekly by a few of my closest friends, Will Sawyer, Phil Heim, and Chris Heim, as we discuss all things NFL football from the games of the week, surprises, predictions, high performers, not-so-high performers, and anything else that stands out. Thank you for checking us out, and please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. We sincerely appreciate it. Okay, wildcard weekend, boys. How are we today? Doing great. Feeling fine. Been better. Yeah, I think honestly, all except for you, Nick, are probably very depressed this day. And blue, it was Blue Monday too, and it was an even bluer Monday for the three of us. So, yeah, the fact that we're yeah, still I'm elated. I was elated on Sunday. I'm elated today. I'll probably be elated tomorrow. Uh, I'm gonna be elated all week, probably until uh, next weekend. And I don't like and, when you're uh, elated, Nick. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, up yours. I, I, I'm gonna leave my dog's uh, shit on your doorstep uh, later. <laughs> okay. Wow. We're already going there, are we? <laughs> I won't gloat too much, Will. I'm. I'm just being. I'm allowed to feel the way I feel. I got all no, the happy no, feels it, today. Fair enough. It. It had more to do, I think, with. We lost you. We lost you, Will. You didn't even hear what it had to do with. I know. Moment of silence for Will. Uh, <laughs> I guess that's what we're doing. Moment of silence for the Cowboys, lads. Don't worry, we'll do a moment of silence for you too, Phil, once we get to the Patriots. Oh, please don't. <laughs> do we, does anybody really feel bad that the Patriots finally got waxed? Not I mean, even a I little do. bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a little bit. But the good thing for Patriots fans is they still have another uh, dog in this race, and it's the Bucks. That's it's, true. It's yeah, true. Know, We're not right? fully – um, honestly, it feels like I'm not fully eliminated. That feels pretty good. So Right. You're a split fan base now. Yeah, exactly. Split fan base because the, yeah. the prodigal son, Patriots' son, is, um, you know, walks on water. And and hey, when, when, when Tommy's Bucks play Josh Allen's Bills in the Super Bowl, he'll just have to avenge Patriots Nation for us. It's fine. Uh-huh. Have to go and back in there and play that Buffalo. I'm just gonna say again, like this this playoff exit from um, from the Pats is just more proof positive that Bill's unrelent Bill Belichick's unrelenting hubris um, in, in terms of being so adamant to move off the goat is really costing them any chance at winning another playoff or, or sorry another Super Bowl. All right, I'm gonna stop you right there. You spent four game. weeks of that. You spent four weeks of this podcast defending Carson Wentz. So anything, anything you say about uh, I Bill say, Belichick? No, 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 no. You keep saying I'm defending Carson Wentz. I will. I say words in defense of him. I have not yet to go on a rant <laughs> defending him. I defended him in passing. Listen to I yourself. You're defending your defense of Carson Wentz. And right you're now. That's no, but well, but listen. That, that's Stop funny you bring it. his name up because what did Ballard say? Was it this week or was it last week? He he made the some. Oh, it was this week. Yeah, he made some very non-committal comments about uh, yeah Carson Wentz and yeah. you know whether he'll be in a Colts uniform next year. Um, it really is- sounded like well we try things because we think they'll work, yeah. but you never really know. So I'm not making any promises about who'll be on the roster next year. I mean. 
if I if I parse those words and read between the lines, that sounds like we tried something, we thought it would work, it didn't, and yep. now we have to figure out what we're going to do next. Now we'll see if yeah, if you there's know, any option better than Carson on the on the on the free agent market. Even that's uh, it, right? It's it's as close to an indictment of Carson Wentz as you get without flat out firing him because you can't fire him just yet because unless you get uh, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or Deshaun Watson. There's no point in moving off of Carson Wentz. Not to mention, yeah. you did just give up a third round, I believe it was, and a pick that became a first round pick this year. So you kind of have an investment in this guy, right? And, and you're going to eat as much as gonna, as much as that. Yeah, as much as that investment is going to cost the GM and the head coach their jobs in the next year. You, as a team, you got to stick to that investment. Will. I don't think it will. But um, no, no, I don't know whether it will or not. Ballard's done oh, a lot. No, I'm just, I'm just tripping like, Carson. Ballard's, you know me. He's too good of a team builder. Like especially after the disaster that was Ryan Grigson, the absolute disaster that yeah. was right. The fact that Ryan Grigson is, still has any role in the NFL is unbelievable. Does he? Where is he? He's some like advisor. I think like the Seahawks or something. No wonder they're so terrible. Or the Browns. But he's somewhere like the Browns. Or the Browns. Or the Browns. It must be. Oh, the Browns. It, no, it's 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 yeah. it's the Browns. It's the Browns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Seahawks or the Browns or the Browns? But like, yeah, like he's just I fucking atrocious, atrocious uh, general manager. Like he ruined Andy Luck's career, and that alone well, should get him so, on some kind of like trial. Interesting. So this leads me to my next thing, which I was reading this week, is that, um, sorry, you made me think of it when you're talking Colts and Andrew Luck and, and uh, Gregson, but um, Caldwell, who famously only got a three-year stretch with the Colts and then moved to Detroit and was respectable in, in Detroit and like built them into a respectable team, um, despite their best efforts. Uh, what... I'm starting to hear his name in in the 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 rumor mill about getting a, another head coaching job. Um, and I did see one person. I think they mentioned the Giants. That like I, I don't think there was a rumor there. I think it was more of just hey, he might be good for the Giants because he's I don't hate that fit hand, honestly, and he's good with quarterbacks. Yeah. And he, if they if they really want to try and make Daniel Jones work or or give him the best chance to work out. You know, Caldwell might be that might be the the right. I guy liked Jim Caldwell. Yeah, he took yeah, the Colts to the Super Bowl one year. He interviewed. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, interviewed for the Jags opening last week. Go on, Chris. Sorry. Well, sorry. Interesting enough, like the AFC South is just such a tire fire outside of you know um, Indy and Tennessee. Like those are two of the worst teams. They are the two worst teams. Plot like throwing New York into that mix because honestly, despite Detroit's record, I I wouldn't count them as like a bottom three team despite the record. I, I would say like how hard they fight every week. And how competitive a lot of those games have been, even their losses. Like they are better than their record, as opposed to the Giants, Texans, and Jags. They're all worse than their record. They got lucky with some wins here and there, but um, I don't what know. I I'd say really Detroit's better about, than their record, but they're definitely but... better than those three teams. But my my interesting point is the or not interesting, but my point is this: um, the tech. I, I missed last week's podcast. So I didn't get my chance to throw this in, but uh, the Texans firing um, uh, their coach. I'm forgetting his name right now. Uh, Cully. Cully. David, David Cully. David Cully, yeah. Uh, them firing him made no sense to me at all. Because it was like, hold on a minute. No. You couldn't attract any other candidate yeah. besides David Cully, who did a decent job as his, his first ever I think so. role. Like, he, did, he did more than I thought he would do. He did a pretty good job. Him up to fail. To, they set him up to fail. They set him up to fail. That's the thing, though. Is like, they couldn't attract an actual coach, so they hired him. 
but now they fired him and they're still not going to attract an actual coach. So you're going right. to get a, a worse coach than Cully. What's the point of this? Like, what's the, the point of this? The only argument to get Brian like Flores, this. I heard that's <laughs> yeah. what Joe Judge. There's no way. There's no way Brian Flores goes to. No, no. They said they said former. Patriot. They said former Patriot, and that former Patriot is recently fired. Joe Judge. That's the new head coach of the Houston <laughs> Texans. The only man I think in coaching who would accept that open position right now. I heard Freddy that Gerard Kitchens, Mayo, Soup Kitchen is going to make Mayo another. Is, uh, <laughs> No, I heard that Gerard Mayo is interviewing with the Raiders for the head coach job, which I find kind of interesting, considering he has they, they should they should let I think Rich Pisaccia, I think I think he's earned he's earned a year to make a permanent. If he's earned a one year trial run as a permanent head coach, and if he can't get them back with Derek Carr that way, then maybe you can look into. I don't know about that. I honestly, if I'm if I'm Las Vegas, I swing big for Brian Flores as soon as what? he can. What? That's not really. swinging big though. Yes, That's it is. Not Brian swinging Flores big. is a great coach. I know Brian he Flores is, but but. How I don't know. I, in no world do I see them actually evaluating Flores as a major step up from Rich Bisaccia. Honestly, I I've re- no. no. Come on, Brian Flores. Get out of here. He might. He might be a step up. No, I don't think walk, he's a Chris. big Come step on. up. He might over an interim head coach. I, I definitely think Brian Flores interim interim. Forget, I mean, come okay, on, interim interim. He's been an assistant head coach for like ten years, yeah. and he stepped in and he did a better job than anyone would have expected. A then his predecessor did coach. too. Yeah, his right. predecessor than John Gruden, who is a Super Bowl I, I, winner. Last time I, I checked. Yeah, I, I, the I interim know, thing doesn't mean anything to me. Interim doesn't. John mean Gruden was a ten times bigger fish than Flores. As now, far as I will a coaching say, hire, and he did not perform as well. I, I'm as not. Such. I'm not. I'm not. When I say when I say swing big, I don't mean like swing for a big name. I mean swing for a big talent. And I honestly think Brian Flores is the best coaching candidate on the market right now. And why did the I don't think, why did the Dolphins fire him? Because power because they're unbelievably dysfunctional. They're well, unbelievably okay, dysfunctional. and I agree with you to a point. I agree with you to a anything. point. But to to say that he's like the next big thing is I I, I don't know like uh, I, I'm hard pressed to say that I think I think well, he did really well I, I think I think this season the fact when they didn't make the playoffs they finished what nine and eight people were thinking oh that's a disappointment for them considering they were ten and six the year before but people forget that that roster is still a rebuild like he took them ten and six to the brink of the playoffs a year after going what five and eleven four and twelve like he turned that team around in about a season. Yeah. From being a dumpster fire, yeah, a winning record, an excellent defense. Excellent yeah, defense. but then he came he in and shit the bed the first half of the season, and the back half of the season, all of the games that he won were against extremely subpar quarterbacks and backups. Who's, who's his quarterback? A subpar quarterback and a future backup? I what? don't care, but I'm just saying you can't look at this season and say, "Oh, he's a great talent," or not. Um, I think he is a good coach. I think he deserves another head coaching job. Do I think he is head and shoulders above the other candidates in the field right now? No. Well, Will, I'm glad you said he deserves another head coaching shot because I actually had a brilliant idea over the weekend watching uh, Mike McCarthy kind of uh, and collapse against the Cardinals. And here's my take. I was talking about a big swing. Cowboys fire Mike McCarthy and hire Brian Flores instead. I actually uh, thought about this over the weekend. Can yeah, any, Cowboys, Cowboys have already uh, who feel more comfortable? committed to sure they have. Back. Sure they have, but you put more money in deck, you put in McCarthy, why not put keep that in deck, get rid of McCarthy, who has proven at this point that he's actually holding <laughs> McCarthy back McCarthy doesn't cap towards the cap. No, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, I did. He doesn't. But Listen, he's holding back the that teams take, that are that he is holding That's back the guys that are going to be. Yeah, so, and here's the thing. 
I, to Chris's point earlier, I shit on Brian Flores at the podcast all season long. That's because I'm a jilted ex-lover of his as a Patriots fan. He could have used him <laughs> at DC the past few years. The point being is Brian Flores deserves credit for turning around, for starting with, I think, what did you say it was? Five and four or five and 11 record his first year to finishing his tenure in Miami with a winning record overall. Again, hard to do when you have two seasons of two as your quarterback. That's a very tough and proposition. And not to mention the GM so, has been there for like 20 years correct. and done nothing. But and I'm right, really, so, sorry, Flores he, 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 wanted he, Herbert. And then, and then uh, the GM's like, no, we'll get to uh, And Flores right. like, what the fuck? Yeah. Two things. Imagine how much better Cowboys be right now is Hold on. Cowboys do not hire Flores, okay? They're they're more focused on trying to keep Dan Quinn. If they fire McCarthy, mm-hmm. the fire only Dan thing Quinn. they're doing is elevating Dan Quinn to the head coaching job. Let's talk about that. And then. As is they it worth should. it? Do we okay. think that's an option? I'm actually on board with that. I, I do think option. it is an option because there's when I heard somebody with this take saying like there's two there's two people at fault for that last play, and it's McCarthy, well, and Dak, Kellen, Kellen Moore, McCarthy, and Dak, and you're not firing Dak. So and none of it. You're right. None of them are Dan Quinn. None of them are Dan Quinn. Right. They only now, had a chance. Now, Dan Quinn Will, you mentioned that they already re-upped on McCarthy. I'm not. I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised. I. I would would have been very surprised if they had turned and fired uh, McCarthy. Um, Moore, we'll see. I don't. I don't know where that goes. That's probably not a tomorrow um, decision that they make. That might be somewhere down the line. Um, as far we as might, Flores goes, have to be waiting and hoping that he gets a head coaching job. Right, and and then they don't have to worry about it. It's not acrimonious. Congratulations. See you later. Right. As far as Flores goes and the Raiders, I think Basaccia has the locker room. I think he has an, an incredible amount of support from his players. I think I, I did read a couple of theories, one saying that they're probably not going to keep Basaccia on as head coach and they're going to swing for a Jim Harbaugh. Mm. And that's the swing to me, for the that's, fence. That's a bigger... Right. Yeah. You no, I agree with prospect Harbaugh. Yes, I agree with that. I, I, I feel like I, I didn't consider Jim Harbaugh because I didn't think I, I didn't hear anything about him available. Yeah, he's, he's apparently he's available. There's that's a big rumor running around. The other thing now, I heard somebody else yeah. take the opposite stance and say it's unlikely that they get Harbaugh or they go that direction. Basaccia is the odds-on favorite to take over because he coached a team so well through so much turmoil yep. and. His entire, you know, his entire core of players, um, you know, everybody on the roster really supports him and wants to see him stay on as coach. And he's, he's probably right my coach of the year. I think he's honestly, well, in honesty, he's probably my coach of the year candidate. You can't fire coach of the year the year he wins coach of the year. You just can't do it. I'm sorry, who's that, coach of the year too? Philly? Rich Basaccia to me is coach of the year. because For what all of the what Nick just mentioned, we've been talking about all season. Go ahead, Will. And and that's what I was going to say is every argument that you've made for including Derek Carr in conversations of great quarterbacks this season also goes towards Basaccia. Absolutely. His job with that team. Yeah. Yeah, and even more importantly too, because Derek Carr can't control the fact that the defense would lost, you know, Damon or not. He can't control that. Like Basach has to scheme around that the lot, the lot, the lack of talent and whatnot, and like holding a culture together. Derek's got a part of it, sure. But the, all right, really so as far and as far as Flores goes, down, the dude sat down after after his playoff game and wrote personal letters to every player on his team. Yeah, I love them that. for everything they that. did. Did he? Yeah. 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 Handwritten letters. Handwritten letters to every That's single a, player yeah. on the roster. 
You got to so, keep him after that. That's him. That's, I don't that's know. A like, <laughs> part of this too is bias. Like, like Chris, I am rooting for the guy. I I want him to stay in. in, in I like him. Oakland, or, uh, Las the Vegas, only reason so. I was the only reason I'm high on Brian Flores because uh, he has three seasons in a, an incredibly dysfunctional, equally dysfunctional totally. organization. So in my head, I'm thinking he did more with less and, and with a way less talented quarterback. Yeah. So, so to your head, point, though, I think Flores gets hired somewhere. I don't yeah. think he takes the Houston job because he's better. No, no, no. Than that. Why would he? He yeah. just he just left dysfunction city. He's not going to go to great bigger dysfunction city. Um, is, is maybe, where could maybe, he end up? I don't know. Like because the Giants the thing, would be the, a, a shitty spot for him to end up. All the vacancies this year kind of suck. Right. Maybe Minnesota, but like even Minnesota, like there, there's talk about them uh, maybe trading. I was reading earlier today, maybe three hours ago. There's talks about um, Denver trying to bring in Kirk Cousins if they can't get anyone else. Like they're going to make a play for Kirk Cousins. So yeah. any all the coaching vacancies that are open right now, none of them seem attractive to me. Not a single one. If I'm someone like Brian Flores, who's on the market, who's a successful oh, coach, like, he might sit out a year. That's what I would do if I'm him. Yeah. I'm not going to Houston. Ra- going to Raiders are a definitively positive environment. They were a playoff team with all of the dysfunction that they had this year. They've got a good group of players, a bunch of talent, and and they actually have one of the best positions as far as free agency and cap space where they can actually go out and get new players in the offseason. Um, so they're, they're a very good opportunity, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Minnesota and Denver as okay opportunities. They're okay, but the cap situation is not great there, right? That the the sneaky one here is Jacksonville, because they are a good opportunity. You've got a blue chip, first overall pick quarterback there. You've got another first overall pick. You've got a lot of draft capital there. You've got tons of cap, salary cap space. Like, despite the fact that it's Jacksonville, a very it's, a, it's a very winnable division too. Like the Titans yeah. are good. Sure. But like Tannehill is just still your quarterback. There right. is a ceiling with Tannehill. It's a very winnable division. And you can build a team there. Like there's, there's, you have the, the, the means to build a team. Whereas if yeah. you go some other, some of these other places, it's like, yeah, the cupboard's bare and there's no cap and there's no draft picks. And well, you know, like Flores, Flores might actually do that thing. Cause the Jacksonville defense kind of came alive the last month and a half to some extent. And he could turn that defense around. Wouldn't Definitely that be funny too? He leaves like one Florida, Florida team. Like he gets fired by one Florida team. And then he goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, they, definitely they, like the ugly cousin the of the Miami Dolphins. It's, and it's like Sean Conn as well. Like he's a very patient owner. And honestly, like, no, he's not. <laughs> he is. He, he he had four. He had two court. Uh, two coaches had four years in a row before uh, Urban. I suppose, the only I suppose reason so. Urban uh, got fired is because he was he was the worst coaching hire of the century. Right. Like if Urban had the same record that the Jaguars ended up with, without all the off the field stuff, he'd, he'd be coaching there for another three years. Yeah. yeah. Urban dumpster fire Meyer. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some other stuff. This is great. Actually, I love talking about the coaching situations, but. Will, you're yeah, back. Playoffs. Let's talk Niners, Cowboys. What an epic game. What an awkward finish. Uh, there were so many weird things that happened in this game. Um, I don't even know where to start. It, it, it just you mean what an like, awful, awful game. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, depending on perspectives, everything, obviously. <laughs> but, like, yeah. it, it's one of those things. We talked about this last week before this game. Um, there, was, there was a certain criteria we thought that – uh, that would describe the game if the Niners won and the, the sort of the set of conditions that needed to happen for the Cowboys to win the game. 
and I thought it played out exactly the way the Niners needed it to play out. The the pace was controlled. They punched them in the mouth early with that first drive um, and, and stole some of that early momentum, and they controlled the pace of the game. They got the running game going, and their defense jumped over, you know, got pressure on Dak early, which w- was kind of the recipe for the Niners to have a shot at this game. If Dallas had gotten rolling early, it would have been a hard, a hard uphill battle for the Niners to keep up with, you know, Dak throwing it all over the field and everything. So um, that's it. I I said key to the game for me for the 49ers was run the ball well and keep Jimmy G under 25 passes. He threw the ball 25 times, I believe, on the dot, and he almost threw the game away at the end. But yep. oh, I know, right? Did well, that's it. Jimmy in the first half was was uh, good. He was great. Yeah, he's good. He he didn't make any mistakes. He was efficient. He made the throws he needed to. He went down on the field a couple of times in a controlled way. Uh, we got the running game going and everything in the second half. Yeah, he made some a couple of really key mistakes and, and almost threw the game away. And I think his stat line was like five for 11 for 50 yards and an interception. Like it was, you know, really pedestrian. Well, pedestrian, it was bad. Um, and we even got lucky because he was bad when he threw that, that pass in the dirt to Kittle that, you know, ultimately ended up getting fumbled. Yeah. So, um, if that had yeah, been certainly looked higher like, off the ground, it, it would have uh, changed the right. game in a bad way. Right. Um, you know, he made that, I, I put it on him, that quarterback sneak. He got a little antsy and didn't let uh, Trent Williams get set. Now, I don't know why they would be motioning Trent Williams on the quarterback sneak in the first place. That seems really silly. Yeah. You're, like, you're just getting, you're getting too nifty there like you know smart uh, yourself on that one just line up and run it and and i don't know what do you guys think for me i thought it was a little bit silly for him to even try to get his hand in the dirt like, yeah, yeah saying, i mean but, I, I know, but that's I know what I'm he's supposed to do I'm, like if I know, that's what i'm nitpicking but it's like once you get over as soon as you're in position uh don't like get to your static point as quickly as possible he was kind of slow moving down into his stance yeah. and yeah. there was no he was loafing it. He's tired. He's a big dude, man. It's late, late in the game. Like he's, he's huffing, he's huffing and puffing. And, and from, from Jimmy's viewpoint, he couldn't necessarily see that he didn't get his hand all the way down, that he was still kind of moving. He just sees his back kind of dip yeah. and he goes, okay, he's set and he snaps the ball. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you're letting Jimmy off the hook there a little bit, but that's, a, no, that's okay. <laughs> I'm not just saying design, to... design wise. Like everybody yeah, not should the, know. Yeah, exactly. I just think why move him? Yeah. Just, just set him up there and let him like, just plow ahead. You don't need to be running it. It's getting too fancy. Um, so I don't know what we want to talk about first. Uh, I think, I don't know. I have a whole bunch of things that I wrote down about this game because th- there was some really strange moments in the game. So do we, do we want to just like address some of the strange moments in the game that kind of made, we just talked about one, like why are you motioning Trent Williams on a QB sneak? Like that could have ended the game. You know, we got Jimmy Garoppolo. He comes from the school of Tom Brady and QB sneaks. Like just yep. 
give them an give inch. Them. Like you, you're not gonna, you don't screw that up. <laughs> it's an inch, <laughs> and, and you don't need to motion, motion Trent really Williams. Up. Right. <laughs> like if you can't get an inch, you deserve to lose. <laughs> That's it. Game over. Um, the fake punt. Yeah, that was that was crazy. The, the fake, fake punt, punt was great. Was great execution. Why did great, they keep? And then why they did just... they keep them on the field? Why did I don't understand? They took they keep them on the field and then they they they're trying to I guess keep the Niners from substituting or knowing what they're gonna do. But then you have to let the Niners substitute and then they take a delay of game and it's like, uh, all right, but <laughs> great. It was it was messy from the get go. I think the idea was that they were going to go from a punting unit to hurry up and go to kind of a wildcat situation where uh, uh, anger wasn't even, you know, taking the snap. They had one of their running backs stepping up, but they couldn't get set. And then they're like, okay, let's quickly sub our offense on. But then they had to let the defense on. It was just, it was so disorganized. It It was a mess of miscommunication. They didn't really know what they were doing. And and if you have that fake punt and it goes well, you got to have an idea of what you're going to do next. Yep. Right. And <laughs> oh my god, it worked! What do we do what now? <laughs> do we go off the field or? <laughs> and and these miscues, these like organizational kind of issues in game, um, yeah. are some of the kind of prevailing criticisms of McCarthy. And it it hasn't just been in Dallas that he's had these weird miscues his teams don't necessarily always feel like they're they're quite as sharp um in these scenarios so i think some of that falls on him some of it falls on on kellen moore as the offensive coordinator yeah Uh, but yeah to me you get this great play you get this you know fake punt you get the first down awesome you know Make sure you take advantage of that momentum. Like, don't yeah. turn around and get a penalty the next play. So, actually, this brings me to something else, which I I didn't know, I didn't find out until after the game. But Dallas was the most penalized team in the league this year. Yep. One hundred and fifty-three penalties this year. Number one in the league. They uh, number two in the league by penalty yard yardage. They were one yard less penalized than the Las Vegas Raiders. I feel like so, that rests squarely on the head coach. It has to. Penalties is a, is a head coach thing. It's, it's yeah, undisciplined, and it showed in the game with all of those pre-snap penalties where they're just not set or, you know, they got one of those motion, you know, not set penalties like the, the you know, neutral zone and infractions, the offsides. Yeah, the yeah. Randy Gregory that. just mauling yep. right. the offensive line. Yeah, exactly. Mauling. The guy, that was crazy. <laughs> Hands to the face, like all of this stuff. It's as as a team, it was sloppy. It was undisciplined, and um, you, you know, I know will not all of those penalties. You can you can argue some of those penalties. You know, they they shouldn't have called this, or they should have called something else, or whatever. In all honesty, that went both ways. The the Niners made some silly penalties too, and um, but yeah, as, I, as a general rule, it was pretty sloppy, and and it it hurt them in the end. Yeah, so I, I know there, there's a lot of kind of uh, Dallas fans that this year have been very, very negative towards the officiating. Um, and some of it is rightly so. There have been a bunch of calls that I would say are pretty bad. And, and sure. when you look at the disparity 
in every single game. And even teams that are averaging higher number of penalties per game, they have fairly consistently had less than their average number of penalties when facing the Cowboys. Um, but there's kind of two factors to this. One, um, you build up a bit of a reputation. So if you are a sloppy team, if you get stupid penalties, the refs are looking for you to get stupid penalties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you have to be and- cleaner to, to get scenes a different yeah. way. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt, right? And then, and then it, as you get frustrated and you start mouthing off at the refs and you start uh, bashing right. them in the media, right. well, guess what? Every ref crew that you face after yeah. this is a little less generous towards you. So right. this is kind of a, an accumulated thing. And, and I really actually had an issue with um, after the game, a bunch of the players, rather than focusing on what they did wrong in the game. They're talking about the refs. They were talking about the refs. Yes. Yeah. Do you yeah, hear what, you hear what Dak said? Yeah. You hear what Dak said? They asked him about throwing beers on the field. And he was like, oh, it's really sad. And, and then one of the reporters yeah, goes, yeah. you know, something around, what would you say if they were, you think they were throwing them at the refs? And he was like, oh, credit to them, credit to them, something yeah, like yeah. that, right? And it's like, yeah, yeah. oh, dude. Because like, the video accountability, is accountability. Uh, DeMarcus Lawrence getting uh, beamed in the yeah. – Right, the forehead with a beer or something, and um, and so Dak was critical of that. But then when the reporter was like, "No, no, actually, they're throwing them at the refs," he's like, "Oh, oh, credit to them." Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> that was nuts. <laughs> That's bush league. I'm sorry. I mean, don't don't do that. That's a bad look. You're getting paid forty million dollars to be a franchise quarterback. Don't be talking about that. Like, and he's usually so much class. You're right. Too. I was like, what? Yeah, that's an Aaron Rodgers yeah. statement, not a Dak statement. You're right, but it. it that one in isolation was a bit of an offhand comment. I'd almost be more willing to kind of forgive that as just kind of a, okay, maybe not the right joke to be making right now. Um, but the fact that a number of the players got up and said they, they were unhappy with the refing that they, you know, always I'm just amazed each game they're they've like... been talking about, they feel like they're playing the refs and the other team. And it's like, no, you know what? there were a couple kind of questionable calls in that game, but the questionable calls, I don't think broke the game, but no. they had a lot of legitimate penalties that were sloppy play on their part. And they need to own that. And their and not, coaches need to come up and calls, own it. Right. It's not questionable calls. Like, like a 45 yard DPI. Like it, they weren't, there weren't calls that like flipped the field on the Cowboys or like, you know, last second penalties that gave the game to the Niners. Like, no, don't be crying th- about were... penalties when anyways, it's just that, that to me. And the, and then the last play. So let's get into this, this last play, right? In the last play, they, they run this quarterback draw. I mean, the intention was you, you run this draw, he slides, you get up, you, you clock it and you get one good shot at the end zone instead of throwing it two two or three, you know, probably two times. Uh, and just it just being a hail mary, you know, a prayer. Okay, fine. Like McCarthy, I can I can see the argument. Um, he defended it in his press conference, saying it's the right call. It's you know we just didn't execute it. He didn't 
necessarily say it wasn't the ref's fault. And then Jack alluded to the same thing, like somehow it was the ref's fault. They didn't spot the ball or they weren't there to spot the ball. I'm sorry. Somebody else go. Will, you're, you're the, the Cowboys yeah. fan, but like, you you know, Chris, Phil, jump in. Uh, Does anybody think that it's not the Cowboys' fault that they ran this play and they just didn't get it off in time? Well, I was thinking in my head, honestly, as I was watching it, in my head, I'm like, how does Dak not have a timer or at least an eye on, like, the game clock where it says, okay, when it hits 10 seconds, I hit the ground, right? Like, he waited till, what was it, eight, seven seconds until he slid? I'm like, dude, you're not leaving yourself a lot of leeway. Like, you shouldn't... Well, he was getting up off the ground at seven seconds. But still, it's... slid and he he was getting off the ground at seven seconds. That's what I'm saying, though. It's like, in my head, I'm like, it still took you too long to hit the ground. Like, in my head, it's like, dude, once you've secured the first... You don't need to go for a first down. Like, once you've secured five more yards of a Hail Mary from the 35 instead of the 40, that's when you're like, okay, hit the ground immediately, save some clock, at least get one more shot off in the end zone. Or, I mean, 40 yards isn't... It's far. It's not that far that you can't take a shot or two, right? So it's like... Come on, man. Like, you went from having... You're throwing yeah. it from the 50, like, it, it ends up being... And then you're getting it deep into the end zone. It ends up being, like, a 50 to 60-yard yeah. throw. It went like from having, yeah, they went from having, like, uh, one to... You know, between one to two shots at the, end, at the end zone from there to having zero shots. I'm like, you can't... That's just bad clock management at the end of the game. And it's like, you've got to be able to, like, know that, okay, situationally, we're within Hail Mary range. I cannot let the clock run right now. I know that they're having... Sanford had, like prevent defense basically on the sidelines, which is brilliant. Yeah. That's a really kind of arrangement, but it's like, okay, know what they're going to do. If, if, I, if I don't have a read here, I'm just going to throw it away. Like, I can live to fight another play, but if I if the clock runs, I can't. I'm dead. So, like, you got to, you know, that's just, but again, it goes back to the coach and being aware. Starting yeah. the last play, they had 14 seconds. They had a comfortable, comfortable two plays, possibly three, if they just went from there. Um, I think to me, the choice would have been when you looked at the formation that the Niners were in on that last play, they had two DBs pushed out to the sidelines at kind of mid and deep range, and then two safeties deep right at the end zone line. They left the entire center of the field wide open. If you're going to try to pick up a few yards and go for a second play, you throw a quick seam, just pop it over and Go forward. It saves a second or two, right? Yeah. Of like running. And and you go down after 10 yards max. Dak went for 17, and those extra seven yards made a ton of difference. Uh, right. But he went a to little me, too far and tried a little too hard to squeeze that that boundary, that that time frame. And then honestly, once you get up and he hands it to his center, and like you're just doing the wrong thing, and then the ref. I thought the ref made every effort to try and get in there and get the ball set and like help them. So anybody screaming about it, the ref ran into them and that's why they lost. I mean, come on. It's just the, the only minor argument that I can take from that that has any merit is that the ref was a little bit slow to follow the play. So right. when yeah, Dak so he was, slid, along he was basically play, right? 20 yards back. Yeah. He was behind the entire play. He didn't really step forward. But it doesn't have to be him that sets the ball, right? They could have yeah. given it to any ref. Like, anyways. Anyone who's around, but yeah. Needless to say. Anyways, if you're I, I cutting it that was, close, yeah. I think you're wrong. Yeah. If you're expecting the refs to do a better job than that, then you haven't called the right play. Yeah. That's what it comes down to to me. I, I don't know the refs. Don't put, your game in the, don't put the game in the refs' hands. Exactly. Anyways. I did. He, I did see Rex Ryan talking about it, and he was like, 
I always operated under the the assumption that you need 16 seconds. 16 yep. seconds is the rule. Every coach knows it. Everybody operates on that. They had 14 seconds on the clock. There's not enough time. And so they went for it, 17 yards. And like, they went for 17 yards. This is like you, You're just cutting it too close. If you want to run a play and clock it, you need 16 seconds. So interesting to hear that perspective. I didn't know that. Now, yeah, I, I did. I did see this. Somebody suggested that, um, you know, and I didn't even realize this. But I saw somebody make the point that the Cowboys might have been overseeded, and that you know this this result shouldn't be that shocking. That despite the fact that the Cowboys won their division and they were technically a two seed, that it's it's misleading because they were six and zero in their shitty division. Mm-hmm. Yes, and six and six yep. when playing the rest of the NFL. Yep. So are they really a two seed versus a six seed or is it really more like two six seeds playing each other and, you know, a close game like we saw. So, well, and, and genuinely as we were going into week 18, I was hoping to face the Cardinals because that, that was the actual more likely scenario. And just the way the games played out on that week 18, it pushed Dallas into that spot where we were playing the 49ers. I felt like that was actually a more difficult game uh, I think we would have matched up better against the Cardinals, who might have made it past uh, the the wild card round. Yeah. All right. But so- honestly, we didn't play well enough, and yeah. and if it came down to the next round and we played like this, we would have lost anyway. Yeah, talented team. They just, anyways. Unfortunately, it feels like we this is this is becoming a bit of a, a trend uh, in Dallas, and and it's got to kill you a little bit, will it? Just. Yeah, there's this team that, that look, appears on paper like they're just so full of talent and somehow they can't put it together. And, and I know you mentioned, I don't want to spend too much longer on this, but, you know, the, the other point you made to me offline was just about Romo and his seeing his wide receivers. Like you've got CD yeah. and, and Cooper. And, um, you know, I saw Dan Orlovsky breaking it down on one of the plays down where he's saying, like, they had these two guys. He should have gone to the, the wideouts and he didn't. He forced it in the middle and that's when he got picked. I don't know how often that happened because I, I want to give credit to the Niners corners for locking them down to the point that Dak didn't throw to them all game. And and I think there's there's credit due there that the coverage had to be good if he's just not throwing to them. But um, I also think there's there's an element of him not looking at his wide receivers. Yeah, There's a bit of that. And, and the point that I made uh, offline after the game was that um, – the difference between uh, an okay to good quarterback in the NFL versus a great quarterback in the NFL is uh, kind of twofold. One, seeing the full defensive scheme and understanding how to throw your receivers open. Not that they are open, but that you know that if you throw it to this bubble, that the receiver is going to be able to get there faster than the DB and he will be open by the time the ball gets there. Uh, so that that's one thing. And then two is the element of trust. When you have a true wide receiver one, there should be a certain kind of set number of balls that you're able to throw up in a given game where it's just matchup based. Oh, I've got this guy in isolation. I don't care who's covering him, how tight the coverage is. I'm going to put the ball in a position where at very least my receiver won't let the DB come down with it. 
and trust that he's going to do that. And you see that with the top end wide receivers in the league where, you know, Rogers trusts Adams and he they're never wide open. No, he's never. I mean, he is sometimes <laughs> wide open yeah. because he's an amazing route runner. But the number of times Rogers throws at him when he is fully blanketed with the trust that he's going to make a play on the ball. And at very least, it's not going to be an interception. But how many times do you see Dak do that with his wide yeah. Yeah. Particularly Amari. They're paying Amari a lot of money. And how many true contested balls does he get? Right. Uh, I mean, his I think, touchdown in, the, in this game was a perfect example. He was wide open, right? Like, he, he ran past the guy, Dak saw him, and he threw it up as single coverage. It's like, touchdown. But I simplify this a little bit. In the yeah, second, sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, what was it? In the second half, uh, they threw Adamari four times, and all of them were short yardage. They were little slant hooks. They were, I think they were all under 10 yards. And so they weren't contested balls downfield. I'm not mm. sure that's the best use of your number one right wide receiver. Well, to simplify this, if Cooper Cup is getting targeted between 13 and 17 times a game, I mean, Cooper should be as well. Just, yeah. That's it. It's just as simple as that. Anyways, okay, so two more funny things about this game, and let's move on because I want to get Phil, Phil talking. Uh, no, you I don't. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you guys saw that video of the, the fans, the, them opening the doors and the fans sprinting into the stadium, that, that, that oh, like that stampede amazing. of fans. So all that was those awesome. fans, I didn't realize, I saw the video at first, I didn't even know what was going on there. I, I learned later that those fans all actually bought tickets for the uh, – the party zone standing room standing room, yeah, standing room only like how crazy is that you got this the billion dollar stadium and you got fans like Wait, stampeding there? The, there's oh, they a open standing the doors. room only bar yeah, area. the dallas game yeah the dallas game and, yeah and so they, they open the doors to the stadium all these people were outside waiting to get in they opened the doors and the fans just stampeded through the lobby it, it looked like a black friday it was yeah. crazy like, people were getting trampled, tossed. Oh, into they're like the fighting columns. over, climbing over each other. I mean, it was wild, and they, just to get to their spot so they could actually see the game. That's crazy. Um, the other, the other part of it too is like I got to, I got to mention this. Okay, and that what was it? The second quarter when, uh, oh, who was it? Cedric, Cedric Wilson lost that that ball in the sun. They just ducked. Like, how do you how do you build a, a one point two billion dollar stadium with that kind of like? Yeah, <laughs> and, and build it and, east west, and build it east west, and then and then the architects build put windows. It's a dome, and they put windows at the east and west ends of the stadium. <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that was no, silly. like what? What were you thinking? Talk about a home field how, disadvantage. <laughs> how? I mean, how does Jerry Jones spend that kind of money on a stadium, and have that happen? It's crazy to me. It's insane. I just don't and, understand. And not I, have some kind of shutter system, something that can, when you need it, nuts. block out the sun. It doesn't Why? make any sense. Just have a design. Doesn't matter this, what it is. Have and a the stadium's plan. 13 years old. How have you not fixed it in 13 years? This is not the first time this has happened. Like, how have you not figured something it, out to cover those? Uh, anyways, it's. It, it, it almost me. reminds me of what was it? The old uh, Raiders field that had the baseball diamond. On yeah. it. And it's like, 
Man, what kind of sport are we dealing with? They don't even get their own field. They're, yeah, they're know, running right? on this. It's part of the charm. They're in the infield. No. Shit. Okay, <laughs> so. Every time in the 2000s I see the Raiders play at home, I think, Bo knows. I would just think back to the 80s yeah. and Bo. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It's nostalgic to me a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so Bills Patriots 3. Let's let's do this. Can I jump in first? Yes, go really go, to. Chris. Please. So I remember Phil talking at nauseum many weeks ago about how oh my god the Pats are going to going to kill the Bills. Yeah. Oh my god, he was just livid that the Bills would even beat the Patriots second time around. I believe he said so... something like bison hunting. That's exactly <laughs> what I said. And he was, he was that so. Was, yeah. My favorite part was he was so adamant that the first game they played against the Bills was much more justified and much more of a real game than the second game they played against the Bills. <laughs> Which in my head I thought was hilarious. Did you say that, Phil? You, I don't. Remember. I, did, I did, but but listen. In my defense, I've literally <laughs> never no, not known a world you. in which you, we didn't you own the Bills. You can't. You can't defend yet. I'm not done attacking you. But I remember, uh, like I, I remember just laughing, thinking like, okay, so how is how is the game where uh, in the 21st century when offenses are throwing the ball 30 times per game? You win a game in like blizzard and, and freezing cold, and it's three passes for your quarterback. How is that more of a real game than a game where, yeah, the refs might have fucked you once or twice? Welcome to the NFL, Phil. The refs been fucking everyone for the last 15 years, <laughs> including my Steelers against your Patriots. So let's not pretend that the first game against the Pats, or sorry, against the Bills, was less of an outlier than the second game. Both of those games were a little wacky. A little wacky. The second game, I argue, at the time was much more realistic and was much more what we'd seen in the playoffs. Granted, I didn't think any was any of us expected the Bills to be literally perfect on offense and flawless yeah, that was insane. against the Belichick defense. But that is much more alike to what they could play in, in terms of their talent opposed to this Pats roster, which is still very deficient. Mac Jones last six weeks, definitely uh, five weeks, definitely a regression. Uh, or at least a peak, a plateau. Yeah. He, I think he had like eight He looks like a rookie. I mean, yeah. give him a break. Yeah, he yeah, looks yeah, like no, a rookie. No, no, he sure, had a good sure, season sure. for a rookie, right? Yeah, but he's absolutely. still a rookie. So, so but this talk, I, I just want to say for now and all, all this talk, I, I don't think anyone in, in this chat mentioned this, but all I've been hearing about on sports media, oh my God, Mac Jones is so much like Tom Brady. Oh my God, he's so much like a young Tom Brady. No, he isn't. He looks like him in some regard in the sense that they're kind of out of shape. But there's a kind of out of shape for them from before they were drafted. They're both still good athletes, sure, considering they're professional athletes. But the idea that Mac Jones, just because he was drafted in New England and just because he had an out-of-shape photo was going to be a young Tom Brady, I found incredibly offensive at the time. And after this playoff performance against the Bills, I find even more offensive. Yes, Mac Jones did have some good throws, uh, and one of those interceptions wasn't entirely well, – I mean, they're both his fault, but the Micah Hyde interception was just unbelievable. I remember seeing that That was play. a great throw. That I was a great throw. throw. I remember seeing that play and, like, blinking, like, what the fuck just happened? I, I couldn't believe what happened. It was one of the most athletic, unbelievable hand-eye coordination plays I've ever seen. But there were also many plays in that game, especially as the game went on, where Mac Jones was just short-arming it. His balls were an inch off the ground. He wasn't telling – they didn't have the best touch. He wasn't the most accurate. I think it might have been just fatigue or whatever else, but I think we could finally put to rest any and all comparisons to Tom Brady at any point in his career. Young, old, no, age, he's no. not Tom Brady. No. Put those to rest. I mean, well, fair, fair. No, Chris, because fair Tom point. Brady in his right. first season starting won the fucking Super Bowl. So we'll leave no, it at I that. know, Chris. But listen, yeah, and fair <laughs> enough. And he did have a second-ranked defense in his first year. You're, so you're not wrong. Should have knocked this year. I mean, yeah, exactly. Have this yeah. Year. But but listen. 
um, the, the comparisons are unfair. I will say that right out. They are unfair. Do I see some Milton at the same time at the other side of my mouth? I'm saying, yeah, I do see the comparisons because he has looked really good for a rookie. And even this game, he wasn't terrible. He threw yeah, two Mac picks. Yeah, was the problem. The problem One of those was, picks was yeah. spectacular, and it was a great throw. So, yeah, the, you the, know. The problem, the problem, I think, was and, – and here's the thing. I've talked a lot of shit about the, the Bills in the past – Five weeks, but the thing is, Chris jumped my throat before I had any chance to eat that shit that I talked. <laughs> so, the, what I, how I want to open this part was literally just I think this game really just proved that the Bills are, I think, the class of not just the AFC but potentially one of the top three teams. I, mean, I don't think it's a stretch in the NFL. And I think for most of the season, I don't think I was unjustified in, in having some healthy substances of them because they were a very up and down team. But the Bills have stabilized in the past few weeks. They sneakily became the number one defense overall because the Patriots, and this should have been an indicator, the Patriots the past, like, I think last three or three of the four last weeks of the season gave up 30 plus points um, to teams and like literally just kind of like root, like completely skewed their points for on D or rather points allowed on defense. So they were trending the wrong direction. I don't think we, we as the NFL or as the NFL fans gave the Bills enough credit for how they managed to stabilize and ascend from like Thanksgiving onwards. Yeah. So I think to them, that's what this was. It was like, oh shit, they really are pretty dope. Cause like all of a sudden they found a bit of a running game outside of Josh Allen. All of a sudden they can't right. miss on offense at all. And all of a sudden they still have that number, that number one ranked defense that was terrorizing teams at the beginning of the year. And they're still snapping around now. Right. So credit to them. I think they really deserve that game. I think for me, it's, it's been bittersweet because obviously I've spent 20 plus years basically watching the Patriots beat the field or beat the bills off the field. Um, and to me, uh, you know, Congratulations! Like this is obviously your Super Bowl. I'm gonna wait till you guys actually raise one banner, let alone six. So good luck. Enjoy beating us in the playoffs. I did love seeing Fitzy go crazy there. That was awesome. But um, <laughs> I know the Patriots have a lot of work to do in the off season, and I think it really starts with getting us a bona fide number one receiver. Finally, for the first time since Randy freaking Moss, it's time to get a bona fide <laughs> number one receiver. Uh, I think Mac desperately needs it, and I think we need to add at least one more playmaking pass rusher. Because Matt Trudon, I think, only had 12 sacks this year, right? So it's not like he was great, but it's not like he was, you know, TJ Watt terrorizing guys off the edge, right? Like, we need someone who can consistently get pressure alongside Matt Trudon, and we need some guy who can actually take the top of the defense consistently off, uh, like, you know, for Mac to throw to. Um, and then I think we'll be a little more competitive next year. But I think Buffalo yeah, proved that they're the team that beat in the AFC. Yeah. You know what? What did we say at the beginning of the season? We said Josh Allen's got to be – good this year he's got to avoid those those bad mistakes he's got to, he's got to put together another season like he did last year and they got to figure out how to how they're going to work this running game because they can't have josh allen carrying the running game and being the quarterback and throwing it and what we've seen over the last sort of third of the season probably right like since thanksgiving is as you mentioned is uh devin singletary stepping in and, and showing running. What, yeah what we didn't really know that he had and, and being that number one back and he ran the ball 16 times for 81 yards averaged five over five yards a carry and had two touchdowns yep. that that means that you don't have josh allen throwing the ball 50 times you don't have him running the ball 10 plus times like he ran the ball six times so he he contributes and and there's nothing wrong with that but i think what we also saw is we saw josh allen play yeah, it's been said he played a perfect game, but this is the type of dominant performance from some of the greatest players of all time where you're looking at them going, I'm not saying he's the greatest player of all time, but it's it's a performance, a singular performance in that, you know, that looks like that where there's nothing the other team can do. 
You He's know not funny? making any mistakes. His throws were perfect. He was so relaxed. He found this zen that just he saw everything happening before it happened. Everything was moving slower. He was juking guys at the right time. He was throwing the ball with touch. He was zipping it when he had to. He was extending plays. Like there was nothing the Patriots could do to stop the Bills. It, it was everything on the weekend. he didn't do in his first playoff appearance. Right. Yeah. It's right. funny, like that the the first yeah. one. He was. It was t- the moment was too big for him, and it yeah. was obvious. And I think he said one, after the game, he said he used to play angry. He used to play pissed off, and now he's taken that down a notch and said, "I don't have to play pissed off. I can just play calmly. And I can play me play better." Yeah, it's it's funny. There is a there's a meme that Patriots fans up until we got our asses handed to us by Buffalo in the span of a calendar month, basically twice god damn it but there's there's a whole there's a you can see the soul in my body exhale because i I, you know why because i know that like for 20 plus years i just talked reckless shit and they couldn't touch us and now i'm like god damn it's gonna be us it's gonna be me now oh yeah yeah. bill's mafia bill's mafia is not going to be shy about it they are going to let you have it there's a great i mean they let me me have it when like we were whooping their ass with tommy or something but there's a great meme that pages nation loved tormenting bill's mafia with which was Josh Allen when he was in high school wearing a Tom Brady jersey to Ralph Wilson Stadium to watch him beat the we beat the Bills, and he, you know who he kind of looked like on friggin' on 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 uh, Saturday night? He looked like Tom Brady could run. That's how impressed I was with him. He threw more yeah. touchdowns and completions. That's a Kurt Warner versus what was it? The Packers in 2009, that crazy wildcard yeah. game. That's, that's yeah, that. It was nuts. That's it was spectacular. Nuts. Like I've never seen. And again, the entire time watching it, I'm just praying futilely. I'm like, can we please? Put this guy on the ground. And like, is this really what it's like cheering against Tom Brady? Because this is I've never seen anyone do that to my team. It's usually been my guy who's been doing it for two decades. Is this what it's like? And I'm just like, I have it a real next few years for it me. Sucks. It's just, there's, there's, there's no answer. Yeah, there's, there's no answer. Like of any kind. Two and a half decades for you guys. Jesus, man, this is rough. Oh my god. Okay, so here, this and this sets the stage for the next round of the playoffs where the Bills are facing the Kansas City Chiefs, correct? I have that right, right? That, that's yes, how the shakes out. So we get Mahomes, Allen, as the two quarterbacks this past weekend who threw five touchdown passes. How amazing is that? They both, threw, like, they both threw five touchdown passes this weekend. I mean, that's, that's unbelievable. Now, Mahomes had a few more incompletions. He was 30 for 39 for 404 yards. And five touchdowns and an interception. Against a very good defense. Against a defense with the defensive player of the year on it. Like it's, right. it's a very good defense. Allen, so. Allen only threw for 300 yards, but no interceptions. But they both had yeah. five touchdowns. So I'm, I'm, this makes me very excited for next weekend to see these two guys face off. So the last thing I wanted to talk about with this game, this, this is, the little, this is the, the little surprise nugget. I'm sure you guys, maybe you guys already saw it. You probably did. But how about the Bildo toss? <laughs> I mean, and Kendrick Bourne scores his touchdown, points and then it. and then points at it and and tells the ref, <laughs> you, "You got something Some, on your field here." <laughs> and I didn't know the whole history to this, right? Oh yeah, they've been doing this it forever. I'm pretty sure every, every, this this is like five years running. Every year, so, it started five years ago. Somebody threw a dildo on the field, and now every single year, 
when they play the Patriots, yep. they throw a dildo on the field. I'm so is pretty, it only yeah. against the Patriots? Yeah, it's only against the yeah, Patriots. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I caught a I'm pretty sure I caught a big veiny bastard of the back of my neck a few years ago. I went to see the Bills play. <laughs> oh man, on its way down to see on its way down to like ruin Tommy's afternoon. It just hit me in the back of the night. Oh no. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time, Phil. But I don't know what it oh. means. That's the funny part. It's like I haven't I, I don't think anybody's really explained it other than, like is it just because no, it's just Bills fans are dildo. dicks. That's why. Like, <laughs> no, I'm sorry we live in toronto please i'm sorry <laughs> i'm just i'm just thinking about it like in my head like the logistics of it like so people there are fans who spend i don't know how much a dildo costs let's say 35 bucks there are fans who go and buy a dildo sneak it past security i don't know where they sneak it probably in in a pocket that's not in their clothes and they bring it into the game <laughs> and then toss it on the field like i just found the commitment yeah, but how did no, my question my question and uh, i i how do they get it through security that's what I'm wondering. It's in a pocket, not on their clothes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Yuck, bro. Okay. It's a family-friendly podcast, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's why I'm not let's, using it. Yeah, let's, let's not go down that. Uh, let's 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 not go down that rabbit hole. We'll leave that but can of worms partially <laughs> closed. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of that episode from Community Phil where the Germans have gross, a football. Like they show the soccer ball with them all the time. It's like it's just like why do you have that on you? Just like it's it's just a stupid bit. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. Anyways, I just thought that's hilarious. Like, of course, like, who came up with that? But, anyways, all right. So we've we've covered two games. We don't have time to cover all all of the games, but let's let's run through the other ones. I mean, there wasn't nearly as much drama in the other ones. So I mean, no. the Kansas City Chiefs beat the beat the pants off the Steelers, and and the and the yeah. Bucks killed the uh, the Eagles. Uh, no surprises there. Let's be honest. No, and no, my big takeaway is just the expanded playoffs are a waste of time, and it didn't add any enjoyment as a fan. It didn't add, add any enjoyment for me to have two extra games stuffed into the weekend on Friday and Monday, and and see teams get killed. Like, yeah. Well, what is it in in history? There's only been two six seeds that have ever won a Super Bowl. So right. now you've I'll, added yeah, I'll take your word for it. Seeds. Pittsburgh and that, that's what I was able to find. Um, I think 2005 and 2010. Anyways, right. uh, so very few six seeds make it to the Super Bowl, fewer win. Now you've added two more teams. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't all that compelling football. Unfortunately, the biggest impact of that extra team is the team doesn't get a bye, so they had to play. So the Bucks had some injuries that might be very important in the next round that yeah. they might have avoided if they didn't have to play it. That's the bigger takeaway for this extra yeah. game, and I'm not sure that justifies an extra game. No, yeah. it just advantages the, to give, gives an unfair advantage to the teams that get the one team, you know, the two teams that get a bye. Um, yeah, it it, it honestly, takes a little mystery away from the playoffs. In all honesty, it, it and I think like, the two so. the, to touch the bill on what you're saying, the two seed now. Not only do they lose the first round by they used to have, you know, a couple seasons ago and before, but now they get beat up more against a team that has very little chance to win. So now, right. like, talk yeah. about like and not a lot to lose. <laughs> no, 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 not exactly. I was saying while you while we while we lost you for about saying like there's nothing stopping the seven seed from just looking at Greg Williams and just bounty hunting the two seed, especially if it's like a divisional rival, right? Like, what if the Eagles play the Cowboys? They don't like each other. The Eagles be like, yeah, fuck these Cowboys. They swept us in the regular season. Like, we're gonna start gator rolling some ankles. How about that, right? Like, there's nothing stopping that from happening besides common decency. But uh, like in terms of seeding, like the, the the Super Wild Card weekend, every team 
it's not a level, even a, like a level playing field, but the team by far and away with the biggest disadvantage that weekend is the two seed, which I think is monstrously unfair. Now, in my opinion, the two seed is like one of the worst seeds you can get. It's not a great seed. Like I would almost rather have a right. third seed than a two seed sometimes. Right. It's like, what are right. you getting for a two seed? Nothing. Yeah, you're playing that team that really doesn't even deserve to be in the playoffs. Like you yeah. already had six seeds that were getting into the playoffs with barely a 500 record. Yeah, yeah, you know, and teetering on that losing record to get in, and now you're going to put in a seven seed. It's like I don't know. I, I get it. I know why they did it. Um, it's a it's a money thing. But I, I honestly, as a fan, I don't. Yeah, extra games should be exciting, but I don't. I honestly don't care. I'd rather they just take those two games away. They didn't add any enjoyment to my viewing this weekend. So I mean, um, I kind of liked having a more football, but you're right. It was that's only because I just like seeing kind of teams go for it and like seeing blowouts. But yeah, like divisional round is always the best weekend of football on, on the calendar. Yes. I think. Yeah, and that's and what's wild too. Is an unceremonious had, you know, exit for Ben Roethlisberger, who yeah. you know I thought I thought his win in Week 18 was really epic and would have been a nice bookend to his career. He beats a divisional rival and it's comes down to the wire and he, you know, he leads his team to victory, could have walked off the field and, and it would have, it was a nice storybook ending him squeaking into the playoffs just to get pantsed by a team far superior. Mm, I don't know. It leaves a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, but anyways, and he said it before the game. What did he say this week? Oh yeah, no, we're, we're, we're way overmatched or oh no literally he's like we're, we're just gonna have right? fun out there we're just gonna have yeah, fun we, we, we don't set a chance no yeah. well right. three weeks earlier that same team beat him by like 28 points right. like they knew they're gonna lose anyways so well done nfl you know there's there's a point where your profits are just become a little too important this one i feel like it affected the quality of of the product so well um, i've said it for years uh that my biggest issue with the CFL and its relative quality to the NFL just has to do with their number of teams and how many make it into the playoffs. Yeah, compared the to regular the season games are less compelling because you can have a losing record and still make it into the playoffs. You can right. miss, you can just not show up for a month and a half and still make it into still the playoffs. It, yeah. That doesn't happen in the NFL, and and adding these extra teams is putting two extra teams in there. It's actually making fo- the football less compelling. It's the competitiveness for those playoff spots that makes every game count that much more. It makes it must-watch so, TV. So, uh, the, I think the CFL side note should be 14 weeks and should only have four teams in the playoffs. That's it. That's my TED Talk. Thank you. <laughs> so, do you have to say One rule that... Uh, <laughs> is kind of interesting uh, that would have had a bearing on, on this week. Um, the CFL, uh, when a play finishes, they actually stop the clock mm-hmm. to spot the ball. They don't count clock seconds for the refs spotting the ball. So for Dallas, that would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But totally. I think there's some validity in that rule, uh, you know, at the end of uh, a half, where you've got stop clock conditions, uh, why are we counting seconds for what the refs are doing? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. The play ends, stop the clock until the ref puts the ball down and whistles it in. You get more plays. Yep. But you don't have that excitement of running down the field to clock it and lining up. (laughs) 
exciting yeah, changes things. super exciting yeah you you get a false start because people aren't set anyway so the other two games um well, i mean the, the 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 bengals raiders game was exciting i i enjoyed that i thought it was great that the bengals won their first playoff game i don't want to shortchange the bengals here we talked a lot about these other games but the bengals just won their first playoff game in 31 years yeah, and uh, Joe Burrow's Slow looking clap. mighty impressive too. So I think I, I made a point before the podcast we started today, but like I think my trendy pick for this weekend is I think every road team wins, and I think uh, I think the one that's maybe Suffolk's the Rams winning, but I think Joe Burrow and the Bengals have an. I think they should be favored against the Titans. That's just me thinking right there. Right there, but I know they're the you know one seed going against the or going against the one seed. But I think they're favored against. They should be favored against the Titans. I, I don't know about favored because their defensive line got injured. They, I think they're losing Trey Hendrickson for the next game. Like he ent- exited the first the game against the Raiders, like in the first half. And Trey Hendrickson is excellent. He was a fantastic addition for them on that defensive line. And their offensive line, even though it's healthy, is still a bit of a project. They're good. They're about median in the league, but they're not great. And even though uh, Tennessee the uh, previous few years had a bad D line, they really stepped up this year. So I think. In the trenches, the the Titans have the have the advantage, um, and I, I think the Titans will still win. But I, I am honestly, despite being a Steelers fan, I'm rooting for the for the Bengals. The only team I don't really root for in the AFC North is the Browns. But as long as it doesn't compete with my Steelers' interest, I'm happy to see the the, the Bengals and the Ravens win. I have no problem with it. I, I like both organizations. Well, that's very magnanimous of you. That's very well, magnanimous of you, buddy. Okay, so well, let's do the yeah. Last, let's let's move into the week, picks then. <laughs> Last week we were talking about, uh, you know, could well I was talking about there being a, a, a replay of the ninety two ninety three Super Bowl where Dallas would play Buffalo. Bengals. Obviously, that's off the oh. table. But I uh, Bengals what that? Yeah, yeah. Bengals yeah. What about an eighty eight replay? Niners Bengals. <laughs> I like that. I, I would be, be good with that. That'd be fun. Bring that Boomer for the coin toss. Well, let's do that. Okay, so we got to make picks for next week, right? We got to finish this off with some picks. So, Chris, you've already yeah. you're saying Titans. Phil, you say Bengals. So, I'm saying Bengals. Will? Um, I say Bengals. Yeah, I'm gonna go Bengals too, and that's and it's half half because I'm I want them. I'm pulling for them. Um, but I also I, I don't really know what to expect from the Titans. They've been a pretty good team all year, but they've also kind of felt like a tad lackluster. And I don't know whether that's just because they play old school football. They just play a controlled game, and they're not throwing. They don't make splashy plays nearly as often. They are getting Henry back, so I'm curious how he fits into the mix. And he's probably on a pitch count. Deontay Foreman's looked pretty good. He's he's done a an admirable job replacing uh, Henry and keeping that running game afloat. They are going to have, um, they are going to have Julio Jones back and, and AJ Brown. So it, it looks like they're getting healthy at the right time. And that could bode really well for them, but there's something about these plucky Bengals exactly. that, uh, that I like, and I, and I'm pulling for them. So it's a bit of me just pulling for them, but, um, I do think they, they're a hard out. We've said it, for a few weeks now, like they're the team nobody wants to play in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, they're on the rise. Honestly, I had the Titans picked before this past week's games, and then watching the Bengals come in and take care of business, uh, I, I'm I'm flipping on that. All right. All right. Honestly, the Bengals with Burrow remind me of uh, the Bills of Allen a couple seasons ago. Like, I think the Bengals are 
two or three seasons away from being a real contender. You know who, you know who Joe Burrow reminds me of, Chris? A young Tom Brady. No, I kid. <laughs> <laughs> a young Ben Roethlisberger. No, Josh Allen reminds me of Ben Roethlisberger. I'm, I'm not kidding. No, he doesn't. Josh Allen's a no. Roethlisberger never juked a guy in his life. Uh, he just ran them over. Rossberger was like yeah, a four exactly. seven nine guy out of yeah. college. He's he's marginally slower than Josh Allen. Very yeah, similar. I guys. know, but they didn't. But Josh Allen's got the juke. That's true. That's true. He's got, yeah, he's got he the jukes jukes the pants off, guys. All right. So then, uh, eight o'clock on Saturday, we got the, the Niners at Lambeau to take on the Packers. I got my Niners. They've owned the Packers in the playoffs yep. over the last decade, and they match up well with them. I think as much as the Packers have played really well this season and have been probably the most consistent team, uh, Rogers, I'll give credit where credit's due, has been otherworldly and playing out of his mind. But I think the Niners can do it. I honestly think they can go in there and match up and get a running game going and punch them in the mouth just like they did Dallas and, and get on top of them. I'm right there with you, Nikki. It's funny how many of Rogers' otherworldly seasons end in no Super Bowls or Super Bowl appearances. But to your point, I think that this game honestly feels a lot like the, the NFC Championship game from two seasons ago. It's very, and this, this Niners team feels very much the same. If anything, they might be even more important on offense because now Debo yeah. has emerged himself as right. a top three wide receiver in the NFL, not to mention an undeniable weapon out of the backfield. That 28-yard, whatever it was, 30-yard scamper to kind of ice the Cowboys there when he literally pulled Kyle Shannon and put the ball in my hands, I got yeah, you. Yeah, man. That's, they didn't have that the two years ago. The speed and the explosiveness he shows out of the backfield yeah, is spectacular. And not to be, not to be – um, sort of uh underrated here is his his power yeah that play i I don't know if you guys remember it the the play on the weekend where he was running to the left he was sweeping to the left Mm -hmm. the one where randy gregory got flagged for tackling uh who was it the pulling guard whatever the pulling guard yeah michael parsons came up and met debo at the line of scrimmage and debo dispatched of him with a vicious stiff (laughs) arm yeah you know, that's the thing with these small, fast guys. He They're threw him strong. to the ground, one arm. Like I, it surprised me. I, for 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 all the credit Micah deserves this season, he got dumped. So, <laughs> dude, like De- Debo's special. Yeah, these fast, small guys, like they are like very deceptively strong, especially the thin ones. Like I remember, very quick side note. <laughs> well, I don't know that I'd call Debo thin, but skish, but like. <laughs> I remember playing uh, in Junior Argos years ago when I was like 18. I might have been like 270, 275, right? And I did a one-on-one indie. Our coach just threw me again. I was the best lineman we had. They threw us against like this receiver who was a really good player on our team. He was maybe 170 pounds. Like, I had like 100 pounds on this guy. He gave me a fight. Like he anchored. I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> like, what the hell? We got to put you on nose. But no, like I think the Niners have a good shot. I think it depends on Jimmy G. Uh, it, it depends on if he's if he's going to give the game yeah. away. That's it. I think if the Niners yeah. throw the ball fewer than twenty four times and rush the ball like twenty five times, that that's a win. Because like you just you just took Will's thunder. That's exactly what he was going to say. Will's Will's smirking there. <laughs> that's all, no, I'm it's all good. I think of the recipe they had yeah, in the championship game when uh, I'm forgetting his name. Mostert ran rampant. Right. That's so. their recipe, though. That is their recipe, right? And no team runs all better. Uh, than, than a Shanahan coach team, yeah. Mike or Kyle. Yeah. Well, and they run excellent. Re- recall earlier this season, they played the Packers and they lost 30 to 28 when Rodgers led a last 
literally last second drive. Yeah, 37, 37 seconds. seconds. He drove the field. His, his third ever in yeah. his career. And to kick the his winning third field goal. and last ever so, in his career. So <laughs> uh, we've already seen it. So, anyways, Will, what were you going to say? You're smirking there. Is that is that exactly you were going to you're going to recite the recipe? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's the yeah. same thing that they they won with this week. They're going to be strong on defense. I think they've been strong, uh, you know, certainly for the last half of the season. But they they've got a very good group on defense, and that's no surprise. And then on offense, it's just about keeping to their game plan. And controlling Kyle Shanahan Jimmy, and not exposing good. not exposing Jimmy, yeah. not making him, yeah. you know, the, the focal point or the not putting the game on his shoulders. Now, the the, the key point to, to remember here is that Bosa left the game with a concussion, and Fred Warner was out with uh, an ankle injury, which has now been confirmed to be, not be a high ankle sprain. Uh, we don't know exactly what it is, but it sounds like it's less serious than expected, and hopefully Bosa, you know, his gets his head right early in the week and, and can get some practice in and, and feels better for the weekend. Because if we don't have those two guys, there was a marked difference in Dallas's ability to move the ball after those guys left the game. Um, you know, the pressure on Dak changed and the, the you know, uh, the middle they, of the field changed. Dak, Dak's drop back time more than doubled when Bosa left the field. Right, right. So, all right, next game. What's the next one we got here? We got Rams, Rams, Bucks. On uh, Sunday, three o'clock on Sunday. I'm gonna counter to my hot take earlier and say Bucks win this one, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Bucks win this one. I think the they, they lost the Rams in Week Three, and I think the Rams gave them a, a huge fight. I think that also if there's one thing I've seen from Tom Brady historically, he doesn't he tends to not lose to teams more than twice in the season, unless they're the Saints it seems. So um, yeah, and if he does lose to them more than once in the season, then he beats them in the playoffs. Right. So I think this time around, you know, the Rams are rip roaring hot. I think the Bucks are as well. Um, and I think the Bucks defense um, still matches up pretty well uh, against the, the, the Rams offense. I think Tommy's still Tommy, he's gonna do his thing. So I think I think the Bucks are gonna win this one. Okay. Interesting. I'm with you. I think the Bucks. It just depends on injury and health because the Bucks are missing two, their two best running backs, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette. If those guys can play, or even one of them can play, that makes a huge difference. Um, I think Tristan Wirfs was in a walking boot Tristan. after the game. Yeah, but also yeah. like in terms of wide receiver, there's been a lot of talk about you know Antonio Brown and like yes, he'd be a great addition, but I don't think losing Antonio Brown is as catastrophic to his team because they still have very competent receivers. Like I know Godwin's out, but you still have Mike Evans. You still have um, uh, Evans Tyler is one Johnson. of the best wide receivers in the league. Oh, oh I, I don't. He disagree. doesn't get enough agree. credit. I, I was I was yeah. on that point right, but like they still have Johnson, who's a fairly competent receiver. They have Scotty Miller, who's a competent receiver. Um, they have three competent tight ends. Like it, it's a very good offensive line. Yeah, they have defense. plenty of options. And, and the walking goat, who has the most touchdown passes, the most uh, yards, and the most big plays. Tom Brady leads the league this year and plays over twenty yards. Nobody talks about that. Tom Brady, when he takes shots, he makes you pay. He threw for forty-eight hundred yards. Like, yeah, of course. Fifty-three hundred, fifty-three hundred yards. Fifty-three. You're right. Five hundred whole more yards. Tom Brady's not going to win it. Tom Brady's not going to win it, but he's the MVP. And this talk about Roger winning MVP is purely because of his pass rating. Nothing else. No other statistic is 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 Roger better than Brady. None. Just pass rating. Well, the eye test too. Yeah, like interceptions. Really, because the eye test had Tommy beating him last year on the way to a Super Bowl. So (laughs) not much change. (laughs) Then Roger's arguably worse than he was then. Tommy's better than he was then. I don't know. I don't know, guys. All right. Well, look. Building off of your point, Chris, though, I, I, I will say that um, I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here because I, I'm going to 
remind you guys that early in the season, I pointed out Giovanni Bernard and I said, that guy could really be a key piece in their run to the Super Bowl. His his ability to run the ball and yeah. catch it out of the backfield and be used as a multi-tool could really, down the stretch, come in handy. Well, wouldn't you know it, last weekend he ran the ball 13 times for 44 yards and a touchdown, and he caught five passes for 39 yards. So that's 18 touches for about 80 yards. That adds another bad, little wrinkle. Adds another little wrinkle on top of, like you said, their three tight ends and their competent receiving core. <laughs> but all of that said, I still think they lose. I think the Rams. I think the Rams are going to uh, hit their stride on the weekend, and I think they have. Um, I think they have the weapons. I think Cam Akers looks good and adds uh, another dimension to that running game that was missing, an explosiveness. And I think Stafford is talented enough when he's not doing pirouetting pick six dances uh, to to beat this team. I just think I think the injuries for the Bucks um, and the pieces they are missing, and the fact that the Rams are a dangerous team when they put it all together. I think the Rams are going to take this weekend. Just a feeling. Will? I, I'm torn on this one, but I, I'm going to pick Rams. Um, Ooh, okay. I, I'm with you. I, For me, I think the injuries are, are a bit of an issue for the Bucks, uh, and and the Rams are just kind of hitting their stride. It's entirely possible that they turn back into a bit of a pumpkin, but um, I, I think they have the tools to do it this time. Yeah, and and one last point I'll say: like the the the, the Eagles didn't really make it close. It wasn't really a close game, and I think probably a lot of their stat team in the fourth quarter. But if you look at the the stat line for the game, they weren't that far off the Bucks. They had basically the same number of total yards, the same number of passing yards, the same number of rushing yards. They had a higher yards per play. They didn't have nearly as many first downs, but like their third down efficiency was the same. They they just lost it on turnovers. So, um, you know, if the Rams pass rush can get to uh, get to Brady and and if he throws, you know, if he makes a couple mistakes, that's probably going to be the 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 story of this game as well. Is just turnovers. All right, um, and then Bills Chiefs. This is the big one. Sunday night, Bills Chiefs. Bills. Straightforward. I think I think I think Josh Allen I think Josh Allen Bills. overall this season has played honestly better than Patrick Mahomes overall. Great both through five touchdowns. Patrick did it in the ten minute game of, of game time span. Uh, and then Josh Allen was literally had a perfect game, right? So you can't between the difference between these quarterbacks is marginal, but I think Josh Allen still over the course season has played better. I think the Bills are that much hotter. I think their defense is objectively better all season long, not to mention they are peaking at the right time. The Chiefs, much like the Patriots, even though their defense was surging midseason, they've given up, I think, 30 points in the last two games. And then 21 right, regular season games, and 21 against the, the fledgling Steelers. Granted, in garbage time, but you still have Ben Rosberger chucking ducks on the field, right? So, and he's, he still put 21 points against you. So, to me, it's like the Bills we know can 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 score points in a shootout fast, but their defense can stop yours from scoring on them. So, I think Bills, I think, have a great chance of repeat going back to the championship game. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chiefs in it either, but I'm picking Bills. Christopher? 
Yeah, I'm with you. I gotta go with offhand here. It's gonna be the Bills. Um, I haven't seen. I don't think I've ever seen a, a Bill Belichick defense uh, be so thoroughly bushwhacked to the tune of every single drive. The, the Josh Allen or center they scored a touchdown every single. How many drives did that fill? It was seven. Seven okay, touchdowns. It was literally, literally a record. Uh, okay. No team's much. ever started that hot. Which again, thank you very much. Y'all, but drive all, didn't end in a you, touchdown. You this game was when they were taking the else. Yes, and, and I'll, the great I'll, thing, I'll wait to. Salt in the, the, the wound. The great thing about the Bills. The great thing about the Bills is for the last couple of years, especially last season, the thing that was hamstring the most was the fact that they were so Josh Allen dependent on the running game. But they started rushing the ball more. Singletary, um, Josh Allen rushed the ball. I think five six times. Right, but he was very efficient, which is yeah. amazing. It wasn't over reliance on Allen. It was, oh no, 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 you're still going to produce and still be productive. We're just going to ask you to do less, so you'll still make the most opportunities when they come, but it'll be more meaningful every snap you take, every throw you throw will be more meaningful because there's fewer of them. And I think Josh Allen right now is just playing out of his mind. I think he had like a 157.8 pass rating. He had a near perfect pass rating. I got to go with a hot hand. It's the Bills. All right, Will. Bills. For everything For all already of those said. reasons? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And well, and because I, I picked the Bills to be in the Super Bowl from last week. Yeah. So this week didn't change my mind. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> well, along that vein, Will, uh, the same thing. It doesn't change my mind. I picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl. I'm rolling Chiefs, Chiefs Kingdom. They're going to go into Western New York and slap around the Billy Goats. <laughs> And uh, yeah, dispatch. Go bison them. hunting, yeah. as, as yeah, go bison, uh, go bison hunting, as Phil likes to say. Yeah, exactly, yep. you got it. No, I just think, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an epic game. It's going to be a tough one. I, uh, I think, I, I trust the Chiefs to uh, put it all together at the right time. I think they have the right uh, combination of experience and swagger and um, championship pedigree at this point to uh, get past the Bills. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think they're going to dummy them. But I think they're going to get past, past the Bills and, and keep rolling. So Mahomes-Allen, the matchup that we're going to be able to enjoy for the next decade. And, uh, you know, hopefully it turns into something like Manning-Brady uh, was at one time. Anyways, all right. We didn't really, we didn't really talk... Uh, Rams Cardinals much, but I thought the Rams looked good. I thought the Cardinals looked awful, and they just laid an egg. So I don't know what yeah, else, what else to say other than that. Nothing to say besides honestly, and I'll make this. We can argue this if you'd like. I think the Cardinals had in objectively a more embarrassing kind of whimper in the playoffs than the Patriots did. The Cardinals had way yeah. high expectations all season long. Yeah. The Cardinals have an objectively overall more talented roster and certainly a more talented offense. The fact that they made that much of a whimper, the fact that their quarterback, who was an MVP candidate up until, what, the first 10 weeks? First, not 10 months. Oh, eight, that's it. Weeks, they yeah. peaked midseason, and then Just, they went downhill from there. Which is also which is also a tendency for Coach Kingsbury coach teams. I actually saw right. a stat today that said even back to Texas Tech, Texas Tech uh, games, he had a re- winning win percentage, I think, in the 75 to, like, 80 percent uh, before halfway through the season. And after, after halfway through the season, he's, like, 30 percent win coach. So, like, that's yeah. not good. And it's, like... The, the what the Cardinals did out there, I think, was yeah, just an embarrassment. The, the Rams definitely did, deserve to win that one, but yeah, Cardinals uh, they need to do a lot of soul searching this offseason to figure out why exactly they keep choking. Uh, you know, 
what was leading up to Thanksgiving and afterwards. Because like, like just, I said last just, week, they were streaker than my shorts. And boy, did they show it. <laughs> <laughs> boy, did they lay a white powder. Did they lay a turn? You got a white powder. Uh, yeah, um, embarrassing. I, uh, they, you're right. Soul searching. They got to figure out what, why. Why is your roster that talented that you can go seven and zero, and then and then put up that kind of performance in the playoffs? Like it, it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't track, and it's not acceptable. Yeah. So. Boohoo, Cardinals. Okay, thanks, gents. That was a long one, but uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, playoffs are like that, so I can't wait to do this next week. Thanks for your input, your candor. Appreciate you, and uh, yeah, we'll do it again next week. Excited for it, fellas. Go Patriots! Twenty twenty two champs. Let's go. <laughs> All right, take it easy, fellas. See you, boys. Take care.